0: said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're joining me today, and this is episode 92, June 18th. 2018, and today we're talking about small backyard ponds. We're going to talk about the advantages and um, and dealing with some potential uh, problems with them as well. So uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Hope you had a great weekend and uh, got lots of homesteading stuff done. I know we did. Started on the, uh, that aquaponics tank finally that I've been working on. Got a few things done on that. Helped a friend set up a quail aviary. So had a real good weekend. Hope you uh, have had a good one as well. Well, let's just jump right into our question uh, today. Uh, Today's question for the podcast uh, comes from Tony. Tony asks, You've talked about your pond, and I definitely see the value it adds. However, I am concerned about the mosquito breeding ground it would create if I installed one. What do you do to keep them at bay? Now, Tony uh, he, he sees the uh, the value of pond abs but I do want to talk a little bit about that for folks who maybe don't understand what what kind of value a, a little small backyard pond could add and I'm not talking about like a you know a half acre pond or anything. I'm talking about these little decorative ponds you put in your backyard and, and just what kind of good they can be for a, um, for a backyard garden. Uh, let's just talk about a few of those advantages. Uh, for one, it draws in wildlife, good kind of wildlife, things like frogs. Uh, things like uh, snakes. I mean, let's just be honest. It'll draw in some snakes. It can draw in garter snakes and and, uh, water snakes and black snakes and things that can actually be a benefit uh, to your homestead now if you don't want the snake uh population you know keeping a mode around the pond and and keeping less um, uh, plants and things around the pond is, is definitely something you'd want to do if you don't want the snake problem and we'll talk about that a little bit later when it comes to bad uh, snakes you don't want to keep around but it also does draw those and it draws pollinators in uh they're going to come in and, and it's just a water supply it's going to bring them in things like dragonflies and even the bees will will uh Come around water. I mean, they drink water and, and and things like that. So things are gonna things are gonna fly in and, and take advantage of of your um of your pond. Also, birds. It's gonna draw in birds that are gonna want to take a drink, and uh, that helps to keep the insect population down. So it has a lot of wildlife benefits. Also, growing uh, water plants. I mean, just having it there, you can grow some watercress. You can grow some other kinds of things that can only be grown in water or around water. Uh, and uh, it's just a great place to to take advantage of that when you have the setup to do it. Also, it creates a small microclimate. I mean, it's going to be a, a little bit a different uh, climate in the immediate vicinity of that pond. Believe it or not, especially if you have any kind of a canopy or shaded area around it. Uh, like a, a low tree with a with a canopy hanging over the pond or whatever, and then you have some plants under that, it creates a little bit of a microclimate, and it uh, can actually be uh, uh, advantageous to, to growing certain things. Um, it's also an emergency water supply. If, uh, if uh, things ever hit the fan, you know, you have a place where you could grab water out of and filter it out. I mean, you're talking several, uh, you know, tens to hundreds of gallons uh, that you could pull out of one of those backyard uh, ponds for drinking water. If you had to, um, filter it out and drink it. And, uh, and it is an emergency water supply also. And we're not going to, uh, put this at the in- bottom of the list because I think it's fairly important and that's enjoyment. You know, we congregate around our pond a lot and we're all the time looking to fish and just enjoying what it looks like and just how you feel when you're standing around them. It's just, it's just enjoyable to spend time around the small backyard pond. So those are all great benefits to having a small decorative backyard pond. Um, now there's a bunch of different ways to install them. There's the hard liners. That's the ones that have the shapes of certain things. And you can kind of just dig the hole and put those down in the ground and and fill them up with water pretty much, you know, and then there's rubber liners where you, you shape the hole and then you put the the rubber liner down and those are really, really good. And, and actually, um, you know, if you hide them really good and everything, they can look really natural. Um, I've seen people do you know, just use like the heavy-duty construction plastic. If you're not doing a real deep pond, um, I've actually done this. I've actually got a little pond on the side of my house that's very little. I, I did it more of just a an area to draw in some frogs and some, some beneficial wildlife and create a little micro environment there, microclimate. And it's got a little solar-powered fountain in it, a couple goldfish in it, which we'll be talking a little bit about in a minute. And it works great. It's been there for a couple of years, and, you know, it's just a little plastic liner, and, it you know, it's didn't cost me five dollars to put the thing together i mean is i mean oh well, other than the, the pump probably costs 15 bucks a little solar powered pump because i don't have electricity right there next to it so i put a little solar powered pump in it and it just kind of aerates the water and keeps the fish happy that are in there and uh you know that works really good and i didn't you know, I thought big deal. I'll use some plastic if it goes bad. It's not very deep. It's like, you know, a foot deep and about a two to two and a half foot diameter around. It's not a very big pond, but it just creates this neat little thing right there in the middle of a garden on the side of my house. It's kind of cool. You can also do it with st- something called bentonite clay. Uh, you can actually mix bentonite clay in with your soil, dig the hole, mix it in with the soil, and, and it'll actually seal the pond and make just a, a clay bottom pond. Uh, so that's another way you can do it uh, to make a pond. Um, all those work good. All of them are really cool. Uh, my one, I have the, the plastic, and the other one we have a hard liner in. So some different ways to do it. And actually, we actually took the a riverbed and made like a, f- a flowing river into our backyard pond. And, uh, and I actually made that out of, uh, that heavy duty construction plastic as well. And it works great. It's been there for a couple of years. It's got a little waterfall, uh, a waterfall that flows from the pump out of the pond back. It runs to a pipe back to the waterfall flows through a river and then dumps out into the pond. It's all kind of cool, you know, and it, none of it was super, super expensive. Um, and it's very enjoyable. we got, you know, uh, it's we got a, a a waterfall and then we got the bridge and the stream and it's all kind of cool the bridge goes over the little river and it just it's just a fun little area to gather and enjoy and it does do some good for the backyard garden i believe by brought, drawing in certain things so there's just some of the advantages to having a backyard a backyard pond now, when you're putting one together, of course, you're going to need whatever liner you choose to make your pond with. You're going to need a pump. You're going to need filters, and you're going to need pipes and, and or hoses to, to run certain things, certain places, and, and, and you're going to need some, you know, one of the things I didn't think about when I put mine in was you're going to need some rocks, you know? I needed, like, some some uh, flagstone or some bigger rocks to kind of put around the edges, make it look nice, and, and that, you know, it took me some gathering around, get me some field rocks and some flat rocks and different kinds of rocks to kind of dress it up, make it look yeah, make it look nice, kind of mulched in the area. We started putting some plants around it. Um, but those are all things you're going to need. And there's so many resources out there for building a backyard pond. So just, uh, you know, YouTube's a great one. and But we'll talk about others here in a few minutes. Um, but it's just really beneficial to have one. Now, what Tony wants to know about is the issues. And one of the issues he mentions is mosquitoes. And uh, Tony, it's not a problem. I mean, I almost felt funny answering your question. I almost wanted to just answer you back in an email and say, nope, you're, over, you're overthinking it, man. It's not, a, not an issue. Uh, maybe on a big pond, it might be an issue. But for a small backyard pond, it's definitely not an issue. Um, especially if you have flowing water. Uh, they do not uh, breed in moving water. And we have a river running into ours, and we have fish in ours. And if they did breed in there the fish would eat the larva. I mean, it's just the way it is. And those two things, moving water, uh, even if you had a, a, a fountain that would kind of, you know, keep the water kind of rippling, that right there would keep them from uh, breeding in your pond. But even just having a little stream or, or any kind of moving, vibrating water will keep them from breeding in it. And then anything that would breed, fish will take care of. So it's just not an issue in neither place. Something that's actually been a bigger issue is breeding of snails. I've seen a lot of snails breed in there, and they don't eat all those. I've seen them come out and make it into the mulch uh, sometimes. So that's actually a, a bigger problem, I think. And I also think some of the other issues that maybe uh, are, are, like I said, bigger problems than mosquitoes are what gathers in the pond, and that's moss, algae. Uh, unwanted, unwanted wildlife and even safety concerns. Let's talk about each one of those. Moss and algae. Moss is really hard. It's really sunlight for moss and algae, uh, will grow in, if the sun's beating directly on, on top of that water. Now, what we've been able to do to mitigate that is to, uh, put water lettuce. Now it's, water lettuce isn't a perennial and it's something that grow. It just floats on top of the water and it's really beautiful. It has a really, really beautiful flower that comes out of it. It's really nice but it floats on top and it creates shade on the water and it actually uh, mitigates the moss and the algae. So we don't have as much algae problem or moss issues. If we put water lettuce all over the top of the pond and that stuff grows like a weed for sure. I mean, it spreads, we'll put three, maybe four plants on our pond. And then, you know, by the end of summer, the entire pond's covered in that stuff. I mean, it just, just grows and expands like crazy, but then it dies in the winter time. We have to, and we have to, uh, fish all that out of there. And, and, you know, I'll lay it in garden beds and let it kind of just decay in the garden beds or throw it in the compost pile and then get a few more plants in the, in the spring and let it kind of do its thing again. And it really does keep down on the moss and the algae issues. Uh, I also mentioned unwanted wildlife because earlier I mentioned snakes and there are some great snakes to have on your property. Uh, it's awesome to have some garter snakes and some black snakes. Um, but you don't want venomous snakes. And if you live in the southern states, especially. I grew up in Tennessee. We had a lot of venomous snakes down there. Um, those are what you don't want in your backyard, especially if you got kids that are out playing around the pond or, or you yourself are always out walking around out there. Um, yeah, you're not going to draw those things. So, again, keeping the yard mode around the pond is, is valuable for that. Uh, not having a lot of vegetation growing around your pond is valuable for that because places they can hide. And just, you know, warning children. Don't just reach into to bushes and things around the pond because if you live in a place like that, I mean, there is the possibility. And, and you know, I like snakes. I really don't mind them. But when you have venomous snakes, it's an issue. Like I said, I grew up in Tennessee and we had copperheads and we had cotton mouths and we even had rattlesnakes. And you had to watch for those things. I mean, you had to be aware that they were in the area and you had to know that it was a possibility. And you can get hurt. So you want to be careful and you just want to have common sense and you want to, and you want to uh, understand there's a possible danger in the situation by having a, a, a backyard pond. Here in Indiana, it's not an issue. Uh, if you were even further north than this, it's definitely not an issue. Uh, the snakes aren't venomous and you're only going to draw in uh, good snakes really. So it's not really a problem. Uh, safety concerns are another issue. Now, just this year I had to childproof my pond. Uh, I had that bridge and I had to put some, some uh, fencing across it you know i had two grandchildren born the last couple years so they're going to be out playing around that pond and we wanted to i had to kind of go around and and make it so it wasn't easy for them to get to the pond and i actually filled our pond in it used to be about three and a half feet deep and i filled it in with stone uh to where it's only about a foot deep now because i just didn't want them falling in and 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 um, they're not very tall. And if they was to actually end up in it, uh, before I could get to them, I just didn't want them going clear under the water. So it's, I mean, you can drown in an inch in a foot of water. I understand that, but, uh, it definitely, uh, reduces the chances of that happening. So, um, I wanted something they could stand up in and be above the water very easily. And you know what? Koi don't mind that. They really don't mind. We have Koi, koi and goldfish in our pond and a turtle, and, um, they don't, they don't mind uh, a foot of water. Uh, they, it's plenty for them. They kind of skim around the top all the time anyway, so it's just not a, it's it's a non-issue. But there are some safety concerns. You want to make sure if you have small children to kind of uh, be safe and 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 watch them around the pond because there is a danger of getting hurt uh, there. So just some other issues that are bigger issues than mosquitoes. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. I think uh, now if you have a bigger pond, absolutely, uh, you know, mosquito breeding can be an issue because. Uh, if it's not flowing, moving water, which is probably not if it's a big pond. And if, it, you know, you just don't have enough fish to cover all that water. Small ponds, man, they'll hit anything that lands in there pretty much. Especially my fish because I really don't feed them that often. They eat a lot of the algae and stuff like that in there. And we feed them, you know, I feed them a couple times a week. I throw some fish food in there and they grow in size just fine. They're not they're not starving. But, yet they'll eat anything, any bugs or anything that end up in there uh, real well. It's just not been an issue. So something you don't have to worry about really uh, depending on what kind of pond you're putting in. I guess I've got a recommendation for you if you're going to put in a small backyard pond or just a decorative pond or, or anything. There's a book that I actually don't have it, but I did see it at the library when I was thinking about uh, looking uh, building a pond. I actually went to the library and looked at this book. It's called Backyard Water Gardens: How to Build, Plant, and Maintain Ponds. Streams and Fountains by Veronica Fowler. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a paperback book, 176 pages. And this book answers your questions about designing, building, maintaining, planting, and even uh, stocking it with fish. So it's just a valuable resource. I'm sure there's a lot of other great books out there. I just don't know what they are. This is one I've seen, so I thought I'd recommend it. YouTube was a very valuable resource for me, though. I just searched, you know, building backyard backyard ponds and there's a lot of videos on people putting in backyard ponds if you want to put one in and uh yeah i think they're i think they're awesome to have tons of benefits and i think about all the things i've done in my backyard that's one of the things i enjoy the most i mean even though we're growing a lot of food and stuff and the pond doesn't it doesn't give us a lot of food i just think it's just an awesome thing to have in the backyard so i know if you put one in you'll enjoy it this week on the Homestead Life segment, I think I'll talk about uh, something that's better in my life because of homesteading. Well, homesteading gives me an opportunity to put to use many of the things my father taught me. You know, it's Father's Day weekend. I hope you're uh, having a great day. I'm actually recording this on Father's Day, <laughs> the, the evening of Father's Day. And I spent the day with my kids. They were here. Uh, all three of my children were here today and hanging out. And, you know, it made me think about, you know, the things that uh, I learned from my dad and the benefits of just being raised by that man. You know, I learned so much uh, how to build things and how to, you know, work as a mechanic. You know, I, I learned how to use my hands to build and fix and, and I use my brain to figure things out. And we had livestock. We had, you know, cows and pigs and chickens and even rabbits and, you know, uh, even goats. And I'll tell you. I I didn't put a lot of that stuff to use for many years, but then when I started homesteading, yeah, I had to relearn a lot of things, and there's still things I'm not doing that he taught me back then, but I am so thankful that my dad taught me what he taught me, you know, and I never really appreciated it when I was younger, nobody ever does, you know, and I look at my children and they don't appreciate what I taught them either, maybe they will one day. But, uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, the homestead life has, has given me an opportunity to really put to use the things that I learned from my dad. And, and I'm, and I'm thankful for that. And, uh, I'm glad he taught me those things and I'm glad I'm able to use them in my life to, to the fullest extent now. So that's something that's better in my life because of the homesteading life. If you want to submit a question for the podcast, Uh, You can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949. And just submit as many questions as you want, as often as you like. Now, a few people have... uh, uh, that been submitting their questions through the uh, homestead front porch Facebook group, that's fine too. Just tag me in the post so I'll know it and I can go look at it. Um, but yeah, if you, if you're in the homestead front porch, that is our Facebook group for this podcast. Um, yeah. You can hit me there too with a question and that's fine. And if you want to join the homestead front porch, Facebook group, just search Facebook for homestead front porch and uh, request to join. It's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask and you'll jump in there with about almost 21,000 other homesteaders and a, inspiring homesteaders and it's just a great community to be a part of so yeah if you want to submit a question there too that's fine i do need more questions guys i got a couple maybe three left to answer on the podcast and uh, then i'll need more questions so keep them coming i need all the questions i can get Uh, this podcast is made possible by those who join our homestead forum membership community if you want to know more about the benefits of membership go to homesteadforum.com That's all I'm going to say about that today, guys. Uh, it's, it's worth being part of it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, the show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 92. Thanks for joining me today, folks. Hope that was helpful, Tony. And uh, till next time, happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.